The Wraparound with Grace, Alessia, and Marjorie. Welcome back to this week's episode of The Wraparound. I'm Marjorie. I'm Alessia. And I'm Grace. And let's get right into it because we have lots to talk about. Some things about hockey diversity, other things about the second round. And lastly, there's lots to talk about players that are either UFAs or RFAs. So let's get right into it. We're going to start off with the HDA, which is the Hockey Diversity Alliance. Last week, there was a lot of things regarding the Black Lives Matter movement, especially with the shooting of Jacob Blake, uh, something that was really tragic. Uh, Thankfully, he survived that, but obviously, it's not something we want to see, and it's something that's... um, people of color are still struggling with till this day. And so leagues from all over the country, all over the world decided to postpone their matches just to stand in solidarity with him and with the movement. The NHL was probably one of the last leagues to kind of postpone their games and uh, really speak about the issue. But the HDA did lead the way and did lead uh, talks with players to kind of get the ball rolling on what it means to be a Black person in the NHL and the importance it is to have uh, representation within the NHL. So I don't know what you guys have to say about this, but it was probably like one of the biggest news of the past week. Well, yeah, it was pretty big news. I think personally, the creation of the Hockey Diversity Alliance was a great idea. Uh, The NHL now has a group of players who really know exactly what the NHL needs to do in order to make hockey a more inclusive game. And I think it's really important that the players in the league are now educated on the injustices that the HD are trying to eliminate. And that's big because all these players have, you know, they all have a really big platform where they can use to make a change in the game of hockey. So I think um, all of the players in the Alliance, as well as other players in the league, have faced obstacles growing up as young players trying to make it big in the NHL. So I think one of the initiatives that the HD are asking the NHL to take part in could be to help support kids in minorities. So whether you're you're a person of color or um, you don't come from a background that's financially stable and you need money to in order to play the game of hockey because as we all three of us know hockey is not a cheap sport to play so I think one of the main initiatives and things the HDA are trying to do is trying to make the sport more diverse uh, they want more news and they want players to be more educated on the injustices going around in the world and in the game, and they want to see more diversity in the league, whether that's players in the league or those in the media. I think what they're doing is really important um, because as we saw when kind of everything happened the past week, the NHL wasn't very quick to respond to anything. Um, And they definitely wouldn't have had a big response like postponing a couple games without the backlash they got Mm -hmm. uh, from fans and from the media and players. Um, So I think that what the HDA is doing is really, really great because the NHL isn't going to do it by themselves. So to have kind of an an outside inside organization um, being put together is really, really important for this league. Yeah. I was really proud of the players, especially in the West when they did the press conference and they were asked, they were responding to questions from the media to see all of those players behind um, it was what four or five players representing uh, the teams Um, That was really powerful, and you have to hand it to the HDA because they definitely led the way, and all the players who um, make up the HDA really did an outstanding job. And just to, like, kind of further reiterate the point um, of how much they're really pushing for representation in the league, they are... So they have these pledges that they've sent out to the NHL on what they want to see more of in the league, and one of Uh, One of those points being that they're calling for more Black personnel around the league. So whether that be staff members or uh, Black executives uh, on teams, they're really pushing for representation so other generations can see themselves in these positions of authority and strive to be one of those people in the future. And like Alessio was saying, not only are they pushing for representation, but they're pushing to help children who aren't as fortunate as other people, which is just as important as um, 
searching for representation of color. You want representation of everything of color, uh, race, uh, sexual orientation, uh, social class, anything that can make it possible to make everybody enjoy the game more. And like a, I give a big round of applause to uh, Evander Kame and Akeem Alu. I can't say his last name and I don't want to butcher it, but those are the two players that uh, founded the HDA. And I think it was about time for something like that to be brought up and something like that to be made so people can finally have an outlet where they can speak their mind and um, kind of have a way to speak to the NHL, not as as players, but also not as players, as people that just want to see change. And even if that doesn't mean that they're going to see it in their time as a, as a player, hopefully they can see it in the upcoming generations. They also want to implement mandatory anti-racism and unconscious bias education for all NHL employees before the start of next season, um, just to teach, I guess, players and team personnel about the importance about the importance of diversity which is of course important because you don't ever want to see racism anywhere at like any given time so i don't know i think it's really really important um being of a minority myself it's great to see people you know coming together you know coming together for the same cause um I don't know. I think it's just a great thing overall. I'm really happy that the NHL finally took a stand. And like Grace said, it might have taken a while, but at least they did it. And I feel like they definitely have to learn for next time. Hopefully there's not a next time and hopefully they just do it and get the job done. With that being said, um, I feel like it was just important for us to talk about it. You know, we can't just brush by these uh, topics. It's something that has to be talked about, something that has to be reiterated until people understand and get the point that this is important and this is something that we really really support we're going to move on to our weekly audience engagement (laughs) crash (laughs) we still do not have a new name Uh, i promise you we'll figure one out eventually i think we'll get there i think we're also kind of like calling it our question of the week which is kind of like lame yeah not that it's great just... <laughs> <laughs> but honestly i don't know what else we can call it like what it else needs to pack a punch it? it needs to be like yo yeah that's the wraparound like <laughs> it needs to be better Grace. we need to be better waves her hand <laughs> okay well i promise i will make my brain think of something (laughs) for next week's episode maybe use a name generator (laughs) who knows but this week's question which is a fun one because i get to say a name that the girls always make fun of me for because i can't say names so let me read you the question and let's say if i say the name right this week so with the boston bruins out of the second round do you think captain zdeno chara will retire I practiced that name 10 times yesterday. I'm very impressed. I'm honestly impressed. And so, Alessia, will you tell us our results, please? So, our results from Instagram, 56% of our voters said yes, they believe Zdeno Chara will retire. 44% said no. Twitter, 63% said yes. 37% said no. And also, thank you to everybody who voted. We very much appreciate you. <laughs> those are like those are pretty close results, though. They are. Yeah, they are. At least the important thing is that both of them are majority yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> It'd be yeah. hard if it was like 50-50 and that's kind of discussion yeah. that we can't really have. But in my opinion, I voted yes. I don't know what you guys voted for. I voted yes. I voted yes. So yes, I think majority of the people do think it is yes. I think it's yes because, come on, this man is 43 years old. Realistically, if he doesn't re-sign with the Boston Bruins, who is looking for a 43-year-old? Okay, I have to be 100% honest with you. That's just my opinion. I I felt the need to spice things up a little bit. And I also was very unsure. Um, I 
Yeah, so that I, was I, me too. I voted yes on Instagram and no on Twitter. <laughs> 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 because honestly, do I think he will retire? Yes. But do I think he wants to go spend another year bopping other players on the head? Yeah. Also that. Because if he can, why not? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, he is 43 years old, so I'm like, okay, you know, there is a chance he can retire. But for me, I see his responsibilities, like, slowly declining with the Bruins. More of those responsibilities are given to guys like Tori Krug and Charlie McAvoy. And then there's a side of me that's like, if Boston does decide to give him a contract and it's not going to be more than one year, it's going to be less than what he got this year because he was on a one year contract this year for $2 million. So even if they do give him a contract, it's going to be less than that. Um, That's the only situation I see him not retiring because I doubt after this year, let's just say Boston's like, I'm sorry, we're going to part ways with you. I doubt he's going to go somewhere else for one year. I'm pretty sure he wants to retire as a Boston Bruin. He's accomplished so much like a Stanley Cup in 2011, Norse Trophy in 2009. So I don't see him going anywhere else but Boston if they do give him another opportunity. Yeah. So that's kind of what I'm thinking too. Like he hasn't made his decision yet. He made that very clear during his media press conference the other day. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, But he's ranked second on the Bruins in ice time. So he still does have a pretty big role. Um, and yeah, he won that one Stanley Cup with the Bruins. That his, that's his lone Stanley Cup in 2011. And he's a UFA for the third time in a row this fall. Yeah. So yeah. the Bruins have already signed him for one year, twice. Twice, always. yeah. Exactly. So I feel like it's either like third time's a charm or third time, third strike and you're out. It's yeah. Like, one of those. The thing is, is here, I feel like he'll retire just because I feel like it's time. But I agree with you guys where I feel like the situation where he won't retire is if the Bruins offer him that one-year contract like they did the past two years uh, to give him the opportunity to get, like, to just get things done, unfinished business, whatever, so he can finish the year off right in a proper season format because I'm sure this is probably not the way he wants to retire. But at the same time, um, let's say, like, in some alternate universe, he doesn't want to stay for, with the Bruins for whatever reason. I honestly don't think there's going to be many teams out there offering him a one-year contract because, like I said, many teams aren't looking for a 43-year-old. And if they are, it's probably just someone to add the grit and toughness that Chara adds, which is basically fighting and, like, throwing guys. Popping people on the head. Yeah, throwing guys <laughs> over. <laughs> but, um, and I guess to, like, I don't know, lead guys and mentor them. But that's pretty, I don't know, I wouldn't say risky, but that's just kind of not worth it if you're only going to get a guy for one year and have not that much impact. Like, yeah, of course, he'll help guys and he'll mentor them, but that's not enough time to make an impact. I don't think a year would be enough for him. Yeah, Yeah. and let's be honest, no team has a sentimental attachment to Zidane Chara. Exactly. No. Like, literally no other team in the league. Even when you think of players, like, of his age, most of these players that jump from, like, team to team, they're only doing it because they have something to accomplish, and that's a Stanley Cup. Chara's already accomplished that. So, I don't think, I like I said, I don't see him jumping from the Bruins to another team just for one year. It doesn't really make sense. Yes. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be in his best interest because not only do you have to um, get used to a new team, but you have to get used to like your surroundings and like where you're living. And there's so many adjustments that you have to make that basically take away from you uh, playing the game. I know that like the Leafs did it with Patrick Marlowe. They also did it with Boyle, just signed them with one-year contracts and stuff like that because they wanted veteran players. But at the end of the day, they didn't, they don't, they do something, but they don't achieve what the team probably would have wanted them to achieve. And I think that would be the same issue with Chara if he went to some other team. I don't know. I just don't think there'd be many places where he would fit in. I don't know what you guys think. I don't know. Other than Boston, where do you think his style of play would fit in? I can't think of a team. It's it's not even his style of play. It's like what teams would sacrifice a bit of their cap space because we know a ton of teams 
important cap space situations that are brutal. Oh, but yeah. what teams would sacrifice $2 million to have a 43-year-old play on their team? I don't think many, considering that the league now is built off of young players. So. Exactly. It's hard to imagine him anywhere else. Like Boston is probably one of the very few teams that like to play a very physical game. And that's pretty much all of Char's game. He just loves to <laughs> hit people and be physical. And that's not really where the league is at anymore. So I don't know. I want to see what Boston does with this situation. I feel like they have a lot of things that they want to get accomplished during this off season. And I really don't think Chara is one of those things. So I guess we'll have to see what the Bruins do regarding that situation. And Hopefully, if he does retire, he's at peace with the way he's been uh, playing these past couple of years, the seasons that he's had. I mean, like Alessia said, he has that Stanley Cup, so I feel like he can kind of be at peace with his career, even if this season was a little a little wackier than others. <laughs> and since we're on the topic of the Boston Bruins, this next segment, we're going to be talking about what teams need to improve on and... Of course, none other than the Boston Bruins is the very first team we're going to be speaking about. So, what do we think? I think the Boston Bruins are out, and that's good. <laughs> you didn't even <laughs> let me finish my sentence. No, I didn't, because I have to take a second to rub it in my mother's face that the Boston Bruins lost. I mean, the Tampa Bay Lightning pretty gave it to them hard. They were good. dominant. They were Good. so, they played so well against them. I it's, have no hockey takes. I just have bragging rights. That's all. It's the Tampa Bay that we all know and enjoy watching. So, it, yes, it's exciting to see the Bruins leave, especially as a Leafs Thank you. fan Thank and you. a Habs fan. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but I think it was time for the Tampa Bay Lightning to finally get this far, and I'm excited to see them in the conference final. I guess we'll have to wait and see what this New York Islanders and Philadelphia Flyers matchup gives us. I know that we've been, once again, underestimating the New York Islanders, but the Philadelphia Flyers did win last night. So let's see if they can at least tie up the series and eventually win back against them, because that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> But, so, the Boston Bruins. Time to add younger players, yes or no? Um, yes. Boston's core, it's been together for over a decade now. And they've only won, well, the last title that they won was in 2011. So I think they're going to start making some changes. There are older players. I think that their roles are going to kind of slowly move into younger players that are on the team. That's what I'm thinking. Here's my thing. The average age of the Boston Bruins is 27 years old. Although according to elite prospects, the average age of the team has hovered around 27 years old for the past 20 years. Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. So it's not like they've like gotten older. They've basically stayed the same. They've always How? Been old. I don't know. They've always been old. Um, and for the past 20 years, they've like, they've done okay. Nobody's ever thought of the Boston Bruins and gone, oh, what Boston, team. Yeah. terrible, <laughs> the worst. Like nobody thinks that unless you're a Leafs fan, <laughs> but they're not getting younger and they're not getting older. I think I was looking it up and in the past 20 years, the youngest average age the team has had, was like 25.6 or something. <laughs> so technically 26. So technically 26. <laughs> yeah. So a year younger. So do they need to add younger players? Sure. Will it help them? Eh, we don't know. History doesn't tell you anything about that. The thing so. is, is the, the, I think the, the point is, though, that they need some sort of change. They need to switch it up a bit. They need to spice it up and get some new, fresher faces in there. Because as we all know, we see the Boston Bruins as the Dano Chara. We see Brad Marchand. We see, you know, all those... Tuka Rask, we see all those faces as the face of that team, but they are older players. And so I feel like it's time for the Boston Bruins to add some younger players to start getting them in that role. And eventually we'll see them as the face of the Boston Bruins. And like Alessia said, I think, I think in order to kind of continue moving on 
into these rounds of the playoffs because we always know that the Boston Bruins always manage a way to find a way to get into the playoffs. I think they need to freshen it up a bit and get some younger players. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree. Like I said, the core. I think their core that the same guys who won the cup in 2011. I think their prime has um, is in the past right now. So I'm not surprised that they weren't able to make it on. Uh, like they didn't go deep in this year's playoffs. But like you said, I think there needs to be kind of like a some fresh new faces in Boston to spice things up because I don't know. I th- I just think that core, that like the core, okay, Patrice Bergeron, Marchand, fine, but they're, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say. Like, I'm not saying rebuild the team. No. I'm no. just saying, like, maybe add a 20-year-old in there, maybe a 21-year-old. Don't keep on adding 27-year-olds, 28-year-olds, because in a couple of years, they're kind of already done their prime hockey season. But in the Bruins' defense, I that was never a sentence Surprising. I thought I would say in my entire <laughs> life. That's their style of play. It's it's older, like it's more mature. Yeah. It's not like yeah. young guys skating circles around everybody else <laughs> on the ice. They know how to play hockey with the team that they've had for literally 20 years. So it's just it'll be interesting if they do add some younger players and see how they fit them um into that jigsaw puzzle of a team. Yeah, it's quite interesting, especially if they lose Chara um kind of see who takes that captain role and who they send in to fill the enforcer role. But I I don't know. I don't think they need to. I don't think it's necessary if they keep adding 26-year-olds and just keep cycling them out like they're doing. They they should be fine because they, they can do it. They've proved they can do it. So the, the thing is that if they do add younger players, it's all about conditioning them. If they want to keep them around for a long time, then they have to condition them the right way to teach them the style of play that they're known for. And I feel like if they get that done correctly, then they'll be able to have the next generation of Brad Marchands, of Patrice Bergerons, of Tuka Rasks, of Zdeno Taras. I feel like it'll be, I think it'll be the good fit for them. But Tory Krug does become a UFA. And like we said before, Zdeno Chara is probably close to retirement. So they probably need to acquire some more defensemen. Well, and, Okay, in the case of Tori Krug, he's one of the best offensive defensemen that the Bruins have. And he could potentially be one of the best offensive defensemen in the league. And players of his caliber, are they're not cheap in the NHL. And he's expressed that he wants to be a part of the team moving forward, at, like a lot of players do when it's time to sign a new contract. The Bruins just need to be careful on the contract they give him, that they don't overpay for him. But like I said... Players like him are not cheap, so it it's, depends what the Bruins are planning to do in the future. And it's not even that they're not cheap, it's that they aren't available. That too. Like, think of how many, even just defensemen in general, that teams, like, want to get on their team this year. They're really, even in the draft, the draft is full of defensemen, but at the same time, it's not like they're star player exactly. defensemen. Mm-hmm. There is a handful in the league right now. And I think it just, it comes down to availability. Are the Bruins stupid if they get rid of Tory Krug? Maybe. Probably yes. But <laughs> if he does go, well, congrats to the other team that signs him because you just got a, a one-of-a-kind defenseman. Exactly. The Bruins need to figure out what they're going to do with Tory Krug because if they don't sign him quick and if they don't give him the deal that he wants, then I'm sure he's going to start looking elsewhere. And as soon as the team, a team pops up and gives him what he wants, he's going to be like, bye-bye. We know, we know that, (laughs) we know that loyalty (laughs) is big and we know that, you know, players want to stay with the team that they're with, but at the end of the day, money does play a big role in these leagues. So we're we're not going to sit around and like say that it doesn't. Of course, some players, it doesn't matter as much. They'll, take lesser deals and uh, just because they want to play for a specific team but Tory Krug is young he still has a lot left to him he's probably right now in his prime and so I'm sure that a lot of teams are going to be vying for him well another decision that the Bruins need to make is Jake DeBrusque he's also an RFA 
for me, I doubt I doubt the Bruins will give him up because they yeah. don't. If you're looking at their wing, the players that they have on the wing, the only elite players I see are Pasternak and Marshawn. So they definitely want to keep DeBrus. So that's another contract they have to they have to look at this season. The Bruins are honestly incredible because, like, think of the big names they have, like Pasternak, Marshawn, DeBrusque, Bergeron, Chara, Bergeron. They're all For- household hockey names. Yeah. Like, really, everybody who's a fan of the league now knows those names, and it's it's incredible. They have such a big lineup, and how they're able to do it under the cap is beyond me. <laughs> it's crazy because it's true. We don't really – like, the league talks about them, and we acknowledge that they're a great team, but I don't think they're spoken enough uh, – spoken about enough. I feel like people just kind of don't forget about them or don't like to talk about them because I feel like – collectively a lot of people hate the team <laughs> just because of just because you know it's just a reputation you know they like to fight they're physical they're one of the original six teams and I feel like that's just something that comes along with being a team like that but you have to give them credit they have incredible players they somehow manage year after year after year to always finish in a top spot get into the playoffs and play and produce pretty well it's not like they freeze or they play, you know, subpar. They, they, they handle it pretty well. So I don't know. Let's see if they can sign any of these players or if they're going to maybe add some fresh new faces and change it up a bit since apparently Grace said they haven't really changed anything in the past 20 years. <laughs> I just know that my mother is going to send me a text when she listens to this tomorrow and she's going to be like, you like the Bruins. Paula, <laughs> don't even. And so lastly, there's also the mental toughness of this team. They are pretty, they have a pretty good mindset on them. They do, I mean, to play physical, I feel like you have to have a pretty, I don't know, strong mental what is it like a mentality I guess you could say I'm running out of words not care yeah exactly <laughs> and so coach Cassidy just recently said that Rask's absence did affect them mentally because he was speaking about how an absent like an absence like his affects the way you do a lineup especially in back-to-back games but realistically is this really an acceptable excuse on 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 the line of changes that's what i'm saying like does he did he really have to say this especially after they lost i mean it makes, it makes sense but it's also kind of like let let the let the fish die like don't keep don't keep talking about it but it it makes sense because the absence the absence would affect them of course um so it's an it's an acceptable excuse, but it wasn't really necessary. But of course, they'd be worried for their teammate. It'd be kind of shocking to their team. But they had a strong goaltender in Halak, so I think that the coach had to really like rally them together so that they'd put as much trust in Halak as they did in Rask. Because to be honest with you, Halak was kind of more fun to watch for me than Rask. So I don't know. I I guess it played into it a little bit, but I don't see why it had to. The thing is, is that Tuca only, I'm pretty sure, only played two games during this return to play action. And Halak played the rest. And so with Cassidy saying that it affected them mentally and affected the way he did his lineup, I feel like that's kind of not true because you've already started Halak all of these games. You barely used Rask. Of course, playing back-to-back and having Halak there is going to be hard. But like Grace said, I just don't think it was necessary for him to kind of mention this, especially after they lost. Yeah, I, I was going to say, okay, Rask's departure, yes, it definitely affected the team mentally. But I looked at both Halak and Rask's numbers. They are so similar. So for people to come out and say or to make the excuse that the Boston Bruins lost the series because of goaltending, I thought Halak was really good. And like Grace said, I thought he was more fun to watch than Rask. So I don't think, I think, okay, the excuse that it affected the team mentally, okay, but the excuse that it affected the way the Bruins played in terms of how they set up their lineup, I think that's not really a great excuse for the coach to have. I feel like there's a a reason, I feel like he probably thought 
by saying that there's probably going to be some justification as to why maybe they lost. Maybe that's why he said it. I wish more coaches were like John Tortorella. Don't give me this justification <laughs> garbage. I don't yeah. need to know why. Just give give me the facts and then be off. It's fine. Like, just accept the loss and move along. Like, I don't think we want to know any excuses or hear your side of the story. Uh, yeah, I think <laughs> I completely agree. Everybody should be like Torch. Just don't give a... A poop. <laughs> nice. Thank you. <laughs> no swearing here. <laughs> and so, and then I wrote on this week's uh, outline to either speak about uh, Vancouver or Philadelphia, depending on who got eliminated last night. Of course, me being me and the universe not giving me what I want ever. None of, them, none of them got eliminated. So <laughs> there's not much to speak about them because both series are very interesting. So I guess we just have to wait around and see how both of those play out. And I'm sure next week we'll have lots to talk about, especially um, in that Philadelphia and New York series. I'm sure we'll have a lot to say about there. <laughs> and lastly... We're going to talk about players on the chopping block again this week. It's part two since there's so many teams are starting to get their trades in, starting to get their picks, acquire people that they need. And so we're going to start off with the trade that just happened today, this morning. We're going to speak about the Jake Allen trade. I was kind of surprised that the Habs acquired him. I think it's kind of random, but Alessia, you can talk to us about that since you are our Habs expert. So I guess I'll give you guys some details on the Blues trade. They traded Jake Allen in a seventh round pick in 2022 to the Habs for a third round pick and a seventh round pick in 2020. So we mentioned last episode that the Blues were probably not going to keep Allen and Bennington. It just didn't make sense for what they wanted to do. They're also looking to sign... Uh, Alex Petrangelo so most Blues fans are kind of looking at this trade saying okay they're most likely going to sign Petrangelo in terms of the Habs I like this a lot coming being a Habs fan and seeing Price not have a solid backup goaltender for maybe five or six years now it makes sense and I see why some people are like why would they sign Jake Allen but Every year, the same thing happens. Price plays 95% of the games. And then when he's off his game because he needs to rest, people um, think there's something wrong with him. But it's because he's being overplayed. And when we look at next season, the season's going to be condensed. So having a backup goaltender is critical. And I don't think I'm going to say excellent in Mark Bergevin in the same sentence <laughs> in a really <laughs> long time. But this was an excellent trade on Mark Bergevin's part. He got Kovalchuk for free. At the trade deadline, he flipped him for a third round pick. And he's using that third pick right now to acquire Jake Allen. So I think this is a very smart move on Mark Bergevin's part. This team has the cap space to spend on a good goaltender on a backup for a price, and they did it. And it's good for the Blues, too, because they clear cap space, and now they can sign Petrangelo if they want to. But besides them clearing up cap space, is a third and seventh round pick really worth Jake? Is Jake Allen worth those two picks? I feel like he's worth more than just a third and a seventh round pick. Yeah, he, he could be. It's true. So that's why it's a good deal for Montreal. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I feel like it's a probably a like a really great trade for Montreal, especially like you said, if Carey Price is going to finally get some um, get a load taken off his shoulders. But I don't know. I feel like a third and seventh round pick. I think that's, in my opinion, I think that's a little too little, especially with how much Jake Allen has been able to do, especially when he came in and came through for the St. Louis Blues and basically saved them from total embarrassment after Jordan Bennington basically did nothing for them. That's why I was surprised about the trade, though, because I thought out of the two of them, Bennington was going to go. Like, to be quite honest with you, because Jake Allen is uh, younger and you can kind of mold him into the goalie that you really want him to be still. Um, whereas Jordan Bennington has his really established way of playing already. So it did surprise me, but I also think that St. Louis is in a, let's just get rid of them. However we can yeah. mode. Yeah. So like it, 
it makes sense that they would take less than what they probably could have. But if they were just trying to get the deal done, then why not take what you can and call it a day and be done with it? Yeah, I think they I think they valued the cap space that they got from that trade more than what the they were receiving. That they got. Yeah. yeah. Which makes total and complete sense, especially if they want to sign their captain, Petrangelo, which would be a huge, huge win for them. So moving on, we're going to speak another goaltender who is up for grabs, which is Matt Murray. He is probably another one of the top goalies in the league and one of the top goalies that is currently available alongside Marc-Andre Fleury, Grace's favorite person on (laughs) earth. So I'm curious as to what you guys think will happen with that. Where do you think either one of them will go? Okay, wait. So then can I talk about Marc-Andre Fleury right now? Go ahead. (gasps) I'm so excited. Okay. Um, so yeah, Matt Murray's great. Blah, blah, blah. He could go anywhere. Ha ha. And we're done that. Okay. Marc-Andre Fleury. Here we go. We have no bias on this show. <laughs> I swear we don't. But when some people just come in and they're Marc-Andre Fleury and their flower emoji is their nickname, we can't. We just, if we you're have- from Quebec and your last name is Fleury, you're Grace's favorite person. <laughs> Correct. So, this is where it gets disappointing, though. I really felt like I needed to talk him up for a good, like, 30 seconds there um, so that I could actually talk about it because I'm going to hate myself for saying this later. And I'm going to think about it for the next week and just be upset. So, he has a .905 save percentage in the regular season this year, which isn't fantastic, um, but it's not the worst. It could be it could be worse. At least it's not it, below nine hundred. Oh, it'll get worse. Yeah. Don't worry. It's getting worse. Oh. And he has right. a two point seven seven goals against average. Oh yeah, that's not bueno. <laughs> so it gets it gets worse. We're not even at the worst part yet. He is great. The numbers say otherwise. <laughs> In the playoffs so far, he's played three games, which I think is terrible, and he should be playing all of them biasedly but in reality sure he should be playing more and not all of them (laughs) all of them no every single one um but in those three games he has a 0.893 save percentage and a 2.67 goals against average so So, not that great (laughs) not fantastic um it's a little bit worrisome and they have Robin Leonard now. Robin Leonard has been incredible. Yeah. He and I, yeah. I can't even argue it. For the first bit of this play and, and the return to play, I was like, this is garbage. Get Leonard <laughs> out of here. I want Marc-Andre Fleury back, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like belligerent about it. I can't even be mad anymore. Because he's just, he's really good. He's kept the team going, which is fantastic. They're about to beat the Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> and reach the finals yeah which would be pretty incredible feat which is cool so i wouldn't be surprised if vegas moves flurry i literally go to seattle perhaps Hmm. would i like once again that they move him because with a new team then i have a real excuse to buy a seattle kraken jersey and it's not just because i want to those jerseys are really nice they are really nice they're pretty cool Literally, in my notes, I wrote, Vegas is left in pretty good hands either way with Robin, Le- with Robin Leonard. I also so. feel like it's a waste of talent if you just have exactly Larry sitting on the bench. That's exactly what that's, I was going to say. That's what Leonard I was thinking, plays. too. I feel like he definitely should leave, go to a team that will appreciate his talent, use him for the starter, uh, start, starting goaltender that he is, and uh, not leave him out to dry. I feel like Vegas has probably decided that they want Robin Leonard as their starter. I feel like they probably have moved past the flurry train. And I think it's time for a team to kind of scoop him up and um, get him. Because he's an incredible goaltender, regardless yeah. of the season. Yeah. One season is just one season, and that's not going to define a career. He's an amazing goaltender, and he definitely deserves to go to a team that will use him um, I guess appropriately, if you want to say that. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I think, I feel like if Seattle got him, that'd be kind of hilarious because, you know, Vegas got him from that draft that once they came into the league. And if Seattle gets him, then he's getting passed on once again. But there are lots of teams that are looking for goaltenders. So, 
but this is my thing too. It it's kind of a trend. So his numbers have been trending downwards um, for the past few seasons. He went from 0.927 save percentage to 0.913, 0.905. So it, they have been trending downwards, and even in the postseason, you see it, um, which sucks. But if he goes to a team where he can play top minutes, you'll probably see something different because the numbers only tell one side of the story. Exactly. So if you actually watch Marc-Andre Fleury, you know he's that goalie who does those incredible poke saves at the at the blue line. He's just like, <laughs> I'll get that. Don't worry about it, defense. Um, so I do think it would be great if he could go to a team that can give him the space to play. But I don't know. If Vegas moves him, will it put a strain on my relationship with the Golden Knights? Yes. <laughs> will we get over it? Maybe. I can't Probably say. not. Probably, Probably not. not. Yeah, I think, I feel like when you look at numbers like that, you can't completely just put them all on flurry. I feel like you also have to kind of look at his situation and look at the players that he's, uh, that's in front of him, helping him out. Um, Vegas does have an amazing team, but in the past season, the past couple of years, they were like, in the past year, I, I guess I want to say before the season, they weren't that great. So I guess that also explains why he's not, Uh, been performing as well as he usually does but it'll be interesting to see what Vegas does and let's see what happens with Vegas in the second round especially against Vancouver so moving on because Grace will speak about Flurry for like forever yeah you gotta stop me now I can't (laughs) we're gonna move on to Patrick Laine and I'm kind of surprised that the Jets are considering trading Laine okay I saw this name on the outline and I was like that's a mistake because I, I haven't been on the internet very much recently. I've been way too busy. And then I looked and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yes. yes. It, it felt like more this week that there were a lot of rumors. Which is so surprising though. I never did I ever think that the Jets would be considering trading Line, Line so early in his career. I feel like he definitely would have... I don't want to say a franchise player, but I feel like he definitely would have stuck with the team uh, for a very long time, even though he's still with the team. I'm just saying, I think in my head, I always thought that he would be with the team for a very long time, but for the Jets to consider trading him, what, what is this, his fourth season with the team? I think that's kind of crazy. I I did not see that coming whatsoever. Well, the thing for the Jets is that they want to strengthen their blue line. If you look at last offseason, they lost Dustin Bufflin, Jacob Truba, Tyler Myers, Ben Sherratt. That's Those are pretty big holes that you need to fill. And you look at the big players on Winnipeg that'll receive these like big returns. You have Line, Ehlers, Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler. I see Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler as untouchable. So yeah. you're left with Ehlers and Line. And I don't think the Jets are are willing to trade Liney because he hasn't produced. He's produced 138 goals through four seasons. They're trading him because they need more, more help on their blue line. And that's just it because Liney, he's a sniper. He has a great shot. And if they're going to put him on the market, it's not often that guys like him are available. And oh. like I, like I said, for any player of his caliber, um, the Jets are going to want a big return for him. If, if they make the move. Because right now, it's like I'm not 100% certain that he's going to be traded. The thing is, is that, um, yeah, they have to make space for their, like, big guys. The guys that, like, are always there for them, that produce the most, uh, that are their top players. And by moving line A, it will free up some cap space. Because the problem is, is with this situation is that in order for the Jets to keep line A, they're going to have to do a bridge deal. And we know that teams aren't really a big fan of doing bridge deals because eventually once that bridge deal is over with, they're going to have to give them a bigger contract because they couldn't give it to him before. Right. So that's the issue here. If they don't trade him, they're going to have to sign him to a bridge deal. And then when that bridge deal is over, they're going to have to reevaluate things because they're still going to want to keep those top players that are still playing with the team because they're still young players. So I think it puts the Jets in a hard situation. Uh, I would love to see the Jets keep line eight because I'm always a big fan of teams keeping the players that they drafted, you know, making them long lasting players that are going to retire with that team. But 
after looking into it and seeing the numbers and seeing what's going on, I think it'll be, it's a really, really hard situation for the Jets. I don't think they want to necessarily trade him, but I feel like in the given circumstances, they need to trade him. And so with that being said, there's also another player that maybe it wasn't a surprise to you guys, but I don't know. Everything is always a surprise to me nowadays. Max Domi. I'm so also, ready for Alessia to go off about this. <laughs> Max Domi is also on this list. He recently fired his agent who had a close relationship with GM uh, Mark Bergevin. So it makes negotiations kind of a hard thing now because whoever's coming in as his new agent is not going to have that relationship that his past agent did. Montreal already has three solid defense uh, centermen in Dano, Suzuki, and Kakuniemi. So my question was, does Domi really want to be a fourth liner? And I'm sure Alessi's going to say no. <laughs> No, he doesn't. And I was going to say, so they fired, he fired his agent, Pat Brisson. Do you guys know who he hired? No, I have no idea. He hired Darren Ferris, who represented Mitch Marner through his oh, contract. No, oh, no, 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 no. That How is no I bueno. Just learning that. <laughs> that, that is, is no so bad. bad. That is not bad. good. Oh. So they're never getting a deal done, is what you're saying. <laughs> well, I mean, I think. Um, for me, in this situation, it's kind of hard to pinpoint why he fired the agent, but I think yeah. he just wants the right contract um, for what he's done with Montreal. And I think while he didn't have the best of performances in the playoffs, I think if the Habs trade him, it's not because he didn't perform. In his first year in Montreal in the 2018-29 season, he led the team in points. He had 28 goals, 44 assists. This year, it wasn't as good. He put up decent numbers, but it, you know, it could have been better. He could have lived up to the potential that he had in the 2018-29 season. And like you said, the reason why I think they're going to be open to trading him is because finally they have depth at center with Kotkaniemi, Suzuki, and Dino. And we saw during the playoffs, Domi will not succeed on the fourth line. If you're expecting him to put up all kinds of numbers and score goals where it matters most, He's not going to produce on the fourth line, but the thing is, is there's no other spots on, on, on the other lines to put him at center. So if he comes back next year because he can play on the wing, he'll play the wing. But the Cavs know, and I know as well, he succeeds and he's better at the center position. So that's why I think they're open to trading him. And if he does stay... I think the Habs and the coaching staff need to let him play his style. I kind of, I briefly mentioned this. I don't know which episode, but in his first year, he took a lot of penalties. He was really gritty, got under the players, the opposing team. Like his dad. Like his dad. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And he was playing his true style, I believe. And there were instances last year where Claude Julien said he needs to have more discipline. And I think because of that, this year, he's more hesitant to play his style because he doesn't want to put the team in a position because there were instances last year where he took penalties and they weren't in the best of times. And sometimes the Habs lost the game. But in saying that, when he's not playing his true style, he doesn't perform as well because he's known for getting under player skin. It's like saying Matthew Kachuk, he's so skilled. But if you say, hey, Matt, by the way, can you tone it down a bit? It's like you're kind of removing who and how Matthew Kachuk You're taking away the essence of Kachuk and you're taking away the essence of Domi. Exactly. It's it's hard because like you said, he can play wing and um, but obviously we all know that's not ideal. I feel like that's also kind of the situation with the Leafs and Nylander. Nylander is a natural centerman but they make him play at the wing because there's obviously no room for him at center and obviously I don't think they really trust him at center but I feel like with Domi it's going to be hard because there's a reason there's obviously a reason why he fired his last agent and that the probably the main reason is because he wants a big deal he wants what he wants and he knows I think in his, in his head he knows what he's worth and he wants whatever number he's thinking of I think for me I know he wants a decent amount of money and it, yeah. he has put up the numbers to uh, support that 
But like I said, the only spot for center, because Suzuki and Kotkaniemi, they showed what they, they brought to the team this Exactly. Playoffs. They played so really great. So they've earned those spots, hands down. And I think Montreal, if there was a hole to fill at center, they would give Max Domi the money, like the highest amount of money he wants and he deserves. But now they're thinking, do we want to pay a third, fourth line centerman this much money? Or do we make sp space for him at the wing? That's what they have to figure out. If they want him to play wing, they better consider he might not put up as much goals and points like he did at the center position. That's that's what's, I think, currently happening with that team. Because they know he can succeed at center more than he can at wing. Yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty unique situation because I feel like maybe deep down in his heart, he probably doesn't want to leave because I feel like he probably enjoys playing with the team. But um, like I keep on saying, it's, it's going to be hard to get a team to give you what you want. Yeah, I think I just think like Max Domi, the type of player he is, he, he succeeds in markets like Montreal, like these yeah. big markets, we saw him come from Arizona to Montreal. And he you know, his career like turned around that first season. I was, to be honest with you, when the trade happened for Galchenyuk, because I'm a big Galchenyuk, well, I was a big Galchenyuk <laughs> fan uh, when he was with Montreal. So I wasn't pleased with the trade at the time, but I became, I really liked Max Domi in his first season. So like I said, if they trade him, it's not because um, he hasn't performed. He definitely has. It's because their center position, it's clogged. It's it's clogged up right now. And the only spot he has is on the fourth line, which I don't deserve. I don't think he deserves to be put on the fourth line. Yeah, so, um, I mean, once again, that's another player <laughs> that is going to be surprising to see what happens and where he lands. But I feel like it'll be an interesting one. And whoever gets Max Domi is basically getting a pretty gritty, tough player. And lastly, on our list is Mr. Chris Letang, whom I love very much. If you don't know this, <laughs> I have a soft spot in my heart for him. Grace, you look very confused. See, before you got on the call, yeah. me and Grace were talking about this and we're saying, you know, Chris Letang, there aren't any rumors about uh, him being traded other than being on uh, TSN's trade bait list, right? And me and Grace are talking. He's always brought up in terms of, like, trading, like, which t like which players are on the trading block, but nothing ever happens. Okay, the it thing also is, took me a second to remember that he still exists. <laughs> I was like, that seems very 2016 to me. Like, doesn't involve hockey anymore. It's just Chris Letang. But... Go ahead, Marjorie. Take it away. <laughs> the thing is, is that with the Pens, they're cutting it very close with their cap space. So the Penguins have 16 players accounting for $68.2 million for next season, where there'll be an $81.5 million salary cap. So Incredible. basically, they are cutting it very close <laughs> to $10 million. And by trading Chris Letang, they would get rid of lots of cap space and especially he'd probably be one of the easiest um top players to move because he has a modified clause which makes it easier which makes him easier to move than Crosby and Malkin who absolutely are not allowed to be moved whatsoever that's my favorite thing in the entire world <laughs> I just so, I don't know why just the fact that they can <laughs> never be not a penguin yeah incredible they can't leave ever so they have a full no movement clause so if anybody ever wants those two, sorry, you're never going to get them. <laughs> but with Chris Letang, there is the possibility that he can be leaving. And like you guys said, yes, he's always brought up. He's always mentioned. But this year, with the Pens having such a tight cap space, I feel like it'd be the smartest decision for them to get rid of him. Um, Chris Letang is obviously getting older so in my head I don't think he would be getting as much as he probably would have a couple years ago back in 2016 2017 so maybe it makes it a little bit easier for teams to grab him because at the end of the day Latang is a great player you'd be getting an awesome awesome player in Latang so it's it's hard for the Pens because obviously we whenever you think of Chris Latang you think of the Penguins but 
in the situation for the pens. <sighs> okay. In my head, you think of Crosby <laughs> Malkin and then <laughs> Latang. <laughs> He's probably one of their top players, okay? But other than that, <laughs> other than that, it's probably the best option for the pens. But I was also surprised to see him on the list because I was like, I, I didn't think he was allowed to move alongside Crosby and Malkin. I just I have nothing to add to this part of the conversation. I have absolutely nothing. I'm I'm done. I'm over it. <laughs> Once I saw that the pens had 16 players that accounted for close to 70 million dollars in a cap space that is only a little over 80 million. <laughs> Why are we not talking about that more? <laughs> like even possible that's why when some when some like fans of teams they're like oh i don't want this player to go like why are you gonna trade him i think fans need to understand these gms it's not like when they put these players on the market it's not saying they underperformed it's because they have no other option just to say it's not like the nba where their like salary cap is like a billion dollars or like the mlb where they have like the most ridiculous salary cap ever can you imagine throwing one baseball and then being paid six million dollars? <laughs> or like, not even like you get paid like they have like, like three hundred million dollar contracts over like ten, like not even eight years, which is just insane. I don't even know where they get all this money from. Who even wa- who who goes to baseball games anymore? Like, okay, that's a different discussion. That we have another time when we're not recording. But the incredible thing about baseball is that, like, they base the contracts off of how many, like, things they do. So it's like, ah, you've started six times this season. You've fulfilled your contract. Here you go. So it's not even, like, it's spread over so many years or over so many games. It is, like, the most money or the most minimal amount of work. Or, like, in soccer where you literally have unlimited kind of almost unlimited money you you can give players whatever they essentially want but when you move them that's going to be hard but like i said the nhl has a very very small salary cap and you know it might increase by a couple dollars every year it's clearly not enough for the penguins who need to get rid of lots of money in order to make lots of moves especially if they want to keep on contending for that stanley cup but that was a lot of players. That was a lot of players that were, we were speaking about. There's probably a thousand more that we're going to be seeing and we're going to be like, wow, that's surprising. Because when I was looking at that trade bait list, I was like, I can't. Oh, there's so many. I was like, I, I can't so speak about, I'm like, I want to speak about all of them, but we can't because there's not enough time. I didn't even talk about Matt Murray. I don't, I don't feel bad. I think we all know that Matt Murray is a great goalie. Anybody would be lucky to have him. He's pretty like what's the word i'm looking for consistent sure i think in pittsburgh's situation <laughs> if you look at <laughs> like, just in pittsburgh they're both their goalies are good but when you look at jari you you see he's younger and he's probably going to have a lower cap hit than murray so that's just exactly. what i'm thinking what they're going with that's just plain sure. simple even though both goalies are up for grabs out of the two, the one who's probably going to be likely moved the most is going to be Murray. I feel like a lot of teams are interested in Murray. I also heard that Carolina's looking into Anderson. Do they just love to take our goalies? Like, it's just weird. Yeah. My mind is still blown over the whole Pittsburgh cap hit thing. I- <laughs> <laughs> when I saw that fact, when I read it, I think, the, uh, yeah, I read it off of Bleacher Report. I was like, I have to mention it because, or else there's no other way to justify this trade or this potential trade I'm like there's no other way or else like why else would they want to get rid of him for absolutely no reason but other than that they need money okay i think marjorie might be a little biased in this situation there's many reasons you could get rid of chris letang but we don't need to go into that <laughs> either way they need some money and hopefully they can get it because eventually they won't be able to pay anybody. But also, hopefully not. Because, like, the Pittsburgh Penguins won two cups in the past decade. Like, take your turn. <laughs> Go sit back there. <sighs> okay. Either way. There's lots of players that are on this list. There's probably going to be lots of more trades in the upcoming week that we're going to be talking about. I feel like in this these next couple of weeks, there's probably going to be a segment about trades just because... 
I think we love talking about them so much. There's always, we always have an opinion about whether which team won or lost or if it was a good or bad trade. There's you know? just, there's so much possibility. So many, you know, 50-50. <laughs> so many. Where did there's we games tomorrow and I'm going to say them because Marjorie can't. Um, <laughs> I so don't know what day it is. Thursday, September 3rd, when our episode gets published every Thank week. You. You can watch the Philadelphia Flyers, the New York Islanders, or the Vegas Golden Knights and the Vancouver Canucks. Those are both great series because, as everybody knows, they're both 3-2. So, <laughs> it's basically win or lose, and if you win, great for you. <laughs> Thank you guys again for listening to this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. There's going to be lots to talk about next week. and. Keep your sticks on the ice and your heels, your heels on the, on the dance, dance floor. <laughs> <laughs>